0: Love Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed
1: Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, october thirty first, twenty twenty three, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co host Anastasia. Uh, Just a reminder in advance that Mercury will go retrograde on December 13th, and the pre-shadow of that begins about three three weeks prior. So if you're planning on buying anything electronic for Christmas, do your shopping early to avoid possible technical glitches and send packages before it goes retrograde too. And because we'll be away for our starseed quest... Our next show, after tonight, will be Tuesday, November 28. So, our presentation tonight is about the importance of understanding your transits. In order to make the wisest decisions, avoid complications, and take advantage of the optimal timings, it's essential to know what is influencing you on a daily basis. Wouldn't you want to know when the best time will occur for important actions? This is the power of understanding your current planetary transit influences. You can spend time meticulously making plans, but if you're oblivious to your transits, your project could fall apart or not succeed as it could have had you picked the best day to launch it. If you need to have an important conversation, if you don't choose your timing, you could be met with opposition or fail to be understood. There are outer planet transits that last for years, while the inner planet transits often only a few days. For example, Jupiter transits bring growth, expansion, opportunity, abundance, and good luck, and your natal chart shows in which area of life it occurs. Uranus transits usually shake things up if you've been creatively restricted, And if you try to resist the changes, it could be very upsetting because you were unaware of those energies. We are offering a new daily transit service to help you navigate those energies. And it comes with everything you need to be your own pilot, even if you know little or nothing about astrology. And you can check that out on our website, um, starseedhotline.com. And go to the checkout page and look at the bottom for the transit service. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics topics of interest and hope to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment. And if you'd like to show your support for our show, just click follow on our show page. Our main website, as I said, is StarseedHotline.com. And the Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens exactly by requesting your solar return timing. And it usually takes a week or two to get that to you. But if you want a reading of that chart, you're going to need to order it about two months before your birthday. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her very uplifting Starseed News.
0: Hello, everybody. It's great to be with you. Hi, Arielle.
1: Hello. Happy
0: to be here night. We've got some fun news. I have for you one of my very favorite stories of all time. But I'm going to start out by talking about something that might surprise all of you. Maybe not. You're all pretty savvy. But this is a story about countries in the world where it's best to be a woman. Well, new research has ranked countries around the world according to the status of women. The 2023 Women Peace and Security Index was launched this week, ranking countries around the world in terms of the status of women. The Peace Research Institute, Oslo, which co-authored the index with Georgetown University's Institute for Women, drew on data measuring inclusion, justice, and security for women. They used 13 indicators in total that ranged from education and employment laws to perceptions of safety and violence, and ranked 177 countries across the globe. It noted that societies where women are doing well are also more peaceful, democratic, prosperous, and better prepared to adapt to climate change. Europe dominates the top ten, with Denmark topping the global list. New Zealand, the first country in the world to give women the vote, way back in 1893, took the tenth slot. So, let's see if you might guess. I'm going to begin again with Denmark, which was number one. Switzerland, number two. Sweden, number three. Finland took fourth place. Iceland, fifth. Luxembourg, sixth. Norway, Austria. The Netherlands, number nine. And again, New Zealand, number ten. Don't hear the United States in there, do we? The notable position mentioned in this study was Australia took 11th, Ireland was 13th, Canada 17th, the United Kingdom 26th, and the United States 37th. It's interesting to note that the top 10 list looks very similar to the 2023 World Happiness Index. Hmm. Wow, those are lovely countries, and uh, that's, that's quite a statement. We're 37th place. Well, the Bionics Institute of Australia and Center for Bionics and Pain Research have partnered to create a new technique aimed at improving the lives of amputees. The novel technology fuses the bionic arm to the user's skeleton and nervous system by implanting electrodes into their nerves and muscles. This is according to Euronews. The implant acts as a permanent anchor for the prosthetic, which can then be easily attached and removed. The outcomes are remarkable. Decreased pain and better control of the prosthetic. And amazingly, this allows users to carry out 80% of their daily activities using a bionic implant. That is remarkable. Wow. wow. What a thing science is doing. Well, let's talk about what old what's old is new. Uh, Looking to the past has made a more sustainable future possible in the shipping industry. The latest wind-powered boat or ship is taking to the seas for its first voyage. It's called the Pikesic Ocean, and it was uh, built by the Mitsubishi Corporation. It's been retrofitted with what they call two wind wings. They are sails on the cargo ship deck. We're talking about a sailing ship here, a modern sailing ship measuring 120 feet high, 123 feet high, the sails will enable approximately 30% fuel savings, which, of course, will cut carbon pollution. So here the modern shipping industry is returning to the old sailing ships. New boats, new techniques, and old sails. Fascinating. Why not? Why not? Yeah, really. Well, you know, you heard the news about <coughs> excuse me some of the hazards of typical sugar substitutes. <coughs> excuse me just a second here. Um, well, now, one of the biggest barriers to finding a healthy, affordable alternative to table sugar or sucrose is being able to make it. One what? such substitute is called allulose. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. One sugar substitute is called allulose. I'd never heard of it before. Allulose is around 70% as sweet as sucrose, but it contains just 10% of the calories and has even been shown to improve blood glucose levels and health in people with type 2 diabetes. Well, uh, it's been notoriously hard to make. There haven't been very many yields. It's not been, we've not been able to um, have a production level that has made people able to have this. But now scientists at the University of California in Davis have made a significant breakthrough in the production of allulose. They've come up with a method that will make it high quality, and it will set it up as a viable and healthy sugar substitute. And it rewrites the book on how allulose is currently being sourced, which they say will swiftly advance its commercial production. So they have uh, openly declared that many, uh, a couple of these sugar substitutes have been cancer-causing, which has really eliminated them from sensible people's uh, diets, although they're still... Um, pumping that into products that we buy, sugar-free products, uh, perhaps allulose will solve that problem and uh, be a safe sugar substitute for people who prefer not to have sugar. So keep that in mind, allulose, A-L-L-U-L-O-S-E. You might want to check that out. Here's a story that's really something. In 2019, a bold male seabird, through caution to the wind, Uh, When Typhoon Thaksai hit Japan, it was the start of an insane 11-hour roller coaster journey that took this bird to heights and speeds it would never have experienced in natural life. This particular shearwater gull, seagull uh, found himself flying 15,000 feet higher than normal at three times his usual speed, on a ride that that species is normally, for obvious reasons, rather good at avoiding. Fortunately, <laughs> this crazy story will have a happy ending as the plucky bird survived and eventually returned to his friends. We're sure with a remarkable story to tell them. They probably didn't believe him. How do we know <laughs> this? Well, <laughs> the bird was GPS bio-logged. Uh GPS loggers had been attached to 14 of these birds, uh, earlier that fateful year by a university biologist in Japan to track their nesting behaviors. This meant that scientists had a precise record of this nuts-defying act that leapt out of the data as a wild flight pattern anomaly that coincided right on top of the storm. While the other tagged birds escaped the storm, this one male managed to get caught up in the drama, and researchers can't say if he had a daredevil streak or if he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But one thing is for certain, this death-defying bird didn't have much choice but to go with the flow. So throughout the 11-hour epic flight, the bird completed numerous loops and circles ranging from 31 to 50 miles in diameter, which tracked with the typhoon's rotation and movement and meant that the bird traveled about 1,000 miles while at the same time didn't get very far. Now why these (laughs) birds usually fly... To just 100 and, uh, excuse just 328 feet, this bird found himself in entirely new territory. He soared at an altitude of 15,420 feet, which is approaching half the height that commercial airlines fly. He survived it, by the way. <laughs> and not just that, he was hurtling along in the typhoon at uh, up to uh, 106 miles per hour. Now, these birds normally cruise along at a rather more sedate speed of about 37 miles per hour. But this aerial adventurer was probably flying on a wing and a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> the bird took a less than scenic route over mainland Japan before being carried out back out over the Pacific Ocean when the typhoon swung out to sea. It wasn't finished with him yet. At this point, when the storm's power began to subside, the bird was able to res- resume his normal transmission and no doubt did su- had some explaining to do once he returned to his flock over the water where the nesting was occurring by the other birds. They were nesting. <laughs> the scientists huh. noted that it's impossible to know how much of this journey was planned, but it's just as likely the bird could have opted out of the trip but chose to ride the storm instead. I think that's going a stretch. Anyway, yes. these facts and figures were published in the Journal Ecology last month. That's, uh, that's <laughs> can you imagine that? You know, we humans uh, tell our stories about being abducted by aliens, <laughs> but uh, if you just compare a human story and, and you know being abducted with one of these birds uh, flying at uh, what 106 miles per hour, and um, <laughs> I, I'm more impressed with the bird story. I think that's even more sensational that the bird survived that. I could imagine that would be very bewildering. changed him for the rest of, of his life, I'm sure. Yeah, he probably heads up a, a church for birds now. They probably think he's something very special. All right, well, anyway, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Romania. have ever been there? Have ever paid any attention to that beautiful country. It's one of the most beautiful uh, wilderness areas on the planet. And now there's a project to create Europe's largest forested national park that will protect 500,000 acres of wilderness in Romania. Now, Transylvania is at the southern edge of the Carpathian Mountains, and it's one of the truly last wild places in Europe. It's filled with brown bears, wolves, and lynx that roam these forested hillsides, and they even have bison, which were recently reintroduced after a 200-year absence. So uh, Romania is undertaking this mammoth project of preserving much of its wilderness, which is really important. So much of this is pristine, it's undisturbed, it it has the sense of ancientness to it, um, mysterious energies and just powerful earth energies in that country. So that's a wonderful thing. They're calling it the Yellowstone of Europe. Well, I have to share a a really funny story with you. I hope you will look this up. Sweden has started this hilarious new marketing campaign, and I really can't do it justice. I'm normally not a funny person, anyway. So if I if I told you about it, I'd, I'd just I'd ruin it. So you guys have to look this up, the, the video. But let me tell you about this. Every year, this is unbelievable. 120,000 people ask Google whether Sweden is the same country as Switzerland. Yes, look. really, they do. Well, Sweden's tourist board's video says, "Welcome to Sweden." not Switzerland. <coughs> now, Sweden's tourist board has decided that it's time to make it clear that the nation is not, in fact, the same country as Switzerland. Remarkably, according to news site Swiss Info, roughly 120,000 people every year Google whether Sweden and Switzerland are the same country. And to follow this up, Visit Sweden decided to conduct a survey in the United States and found that half the respondents were not sure if there was a difference between the two nations. Once again, yes, really. So even global leaders have made the blunder. During a NATO summit speech last year, our president erroneously referred to Switzerland while discussing Sweden's bid to join the military alliance. As as, uh, Visit Sweden's official website says, quote, People all over the globe keep mixing up Sweden and Switzerland. Some even think that we're the same place. Sweden, not Switzerland, is a campaign with the purpose of ending the confusion once and for all. Even if we are two beautiful European countries with names beginning with SW, we are definitely different. So to spell the confusion, the Swedish Tourist Board has launched a humorous new video campaign entitled Welcome to Sweden, Not Switzerland which was circulated <laughs> on social media last week, and if you haven't seen it, you probably haven't, please Google this and go watch it. It's hilarious. It's titled, Welcome to Sweden, Not Switzerland. You'll get a wonderful laugh out of that. I adore it. It's just, it's good. <laughs> All right. A Spanish duke has been told that his baby has too many names. Fernando Juan Fitzjames Stuart Edicelonis. The 17th Duke of Huscar and his wife, Sofia Palazuelo, <laughs> have baptized, sorry, I, I beg their pardons, I, I didn't pronounce that very well, have baptized their second child, Sofia Fernanda Dolores Cayetana Teresa Ancala de la Cruza uh, Micala del Santissimo Sacramento del Perpetuo Socorro de la Santísima Trinidad y de todos los santos. That's her name. Uh, according to the civil registry uh, and the newspaper El Pais, which means the nation in Spanish, the girl will not be able to be registered in the civil registry with a string of names that surpasses all rules. <laughs> there are one, two, three, four, oh, there's uh, about 15, 16, 17, 18 names in that. It took up four lines of type in my document. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there wouldn't be. You know, please sign your name here. Well, give me three more pages and I can finish. And that's a duke that's been turned down. So that's a true story. I'm not lying. All right. Well, let's talk about the world's best cheese. Um, You know, it's a matter of taste, of course, but I have to share this with you. The delicate, creamy, buttery, and soft with mild peppery blue veins, Norway's cheese. I can't pronounce it. Uh, which is a pasteurized cow's milk blue cheese made on a small farm, was just named the best cheese in the world at the World Cheese Awards. There were a record number of entrants. Over 4,500 people submitted different cheeses from all over the globe. The winner, Norway, beat a Belgian-style cheese, uh, made it take second place, and uh, the Swiss, who are famous for their cheese, they came in third. Um, and they say that it's really great. They never expected for any of Norway's cheese to take the world, world's first uh, place cheese award. And it's a very special blue cheese. So Swiss didn't get it this time. They it's just a real upset, you know, real upset.
1: Mm.
0: Well, the stones have topped the Beatles. Oh, if you're young, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But a lot of you do know. The Rolling Stones have surpassed the Beatles as the band with the most chart-topping studio albums. Sir Mick Jagger, who is knighted, by the way, who's 80 years old, and his septuagenarian bandmates have claimed top spot in the United Kingdom's chart with their latest release called Hackney Diamonds. The Stones have now overtaken the Beatles as the act with the most UK number one studio albums. Who would have ever believed it? Now, if you haven't seen the retro cool video of the Stones' first single uh, off Hackney Diamonds, check it out on the Internet. And if you haven't heard that the Beatles are about to release a new single, wow, are you kidding me? Well, you can check that out too. You probably heard about that. So the Stones have topped the Beatles. Wow. I mean, that's just enough to, I don't know. That's, that just yeah. can't be. But they did. And they're still singing. They're ancient. And they're still singing. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. Jurassic, Good for them. Jurassic, I hope they do it for another hundred years. Huh? Jurassic yep. Rock. <laughs> that's, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Ariel, you have such wit. That's that's right. On. Oh, that's funny. Well, uh, on, from the old to the very young. Check this out. Uh, Herman Beckley is his name. He invented something. It was. A, it is a skin cancer treating soap. And this guy is 14 years old. 14. Oh. What? He got a $25,000 prize and the title of America's Top Young Scientist. He was competing in the 3M Young, Young Scientist Challenge, 3M, the company, Young Scientist Challenge. Beckley developed a compound-based soap that treats melanoma, which is the most common skin cancer in the United States. The soap only costs 50 cents to make per bar, and it's this boy's goal to create a nonprofit to distribute the product to anybody in need. Seriously. Wow. That's gonna upset the chemical companies. Well, as part of the competition, Beckley was paired with a 3M scientist who helped him take his idea from concept to, to prototype. He said, "I believe that young man's young young minds can make a positive impact on the world." This is what the boy told reporters. The 14-year-old said that. Well, no kidding. I mean, wow. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit about diet, things that will improve your health and lower your carbon footprint. Uh, A new study identifies a a few simple food swaps that you can make that have a big impact. The study, led by Stanford University School of Medicine, suggests making exchanges like chicken instead of beef, or choosing plant-based milk over dairy. Uh, That's probably no surprise to our listeners, but they say that these changes, if universally adopted, would reduce the dietary carbon footprint in the United States by more than 35%. Many people are concerned about climate change, but sweeping dietary change can be hard, said the lead author of this study. She said, uh, we've identified simple, achievable substitutions that can produce a meaningful impact. The researchers said that making exchanges of protein in mixed dishes had the most impact, with beef being by far the most powerful food to substitute. Now, other not-so-obvious swaps that make a difference are chicken for pork, pork for lamb, and salmon for crab. The changes proposed by the study not only lead to a lower carbon footprint, but healthier eating habits. They say diet shifts simulated in the study increased the USDA's healthy eating index by 4 to 10%. Higher scores are associated with lower risk of diseases and health issues. She said it's a win-win if you're a person who wants to make a dietary change for either health or environmental reasons, and you make these changes – you're likely to see all of the benefits that you desire. So, swap. And since we are coming on to a time change just a few days away, and that disrupts our sleep schedule and gets us kind of messed up, some of us, I thought we'd talk a little bit in conclusion tonight about the things we can do to help our sleep. Now, the brain depends on a complex array of nutrients to ensure a good night's sleep. Specifically, an uninterrupted sleep, a peaceful sleep. But if you're struggling to fall asleep at night or to stay asleep, here are seven foods that you should eat one to four hours before bed so that you can sleep more soundly. So bear with me. No bias. Hear me out. (laughs) Spinach (laughs) is number one. The beauty of spinach is that it's rich in magnesium and calcium. The former helps relax the nerves and muscles, while the latter helps the brain use tryptophan to manufacture melatonin, which is a sleep-promoting hormone. Spinach does all of that. Cherries. One study published in the Journal of Medic- Medicinal Food found that tart cherry juice was as effective as the sleep herb valerian. Really? Really? And it doesn't well, smell bad either. Sweet cherries are also high in melatonin and may have many of the same sleep-promoting effects. How about some hummus? They say, like spittish, chickpeas are rich in the sleep-induced amino acid tryptophan. None of those appeal to you. How about some almond butter? Almonds and other nuts are very high in magnesium and rich in sleep-promoting tryptophan. They're also high in potassium, which can significantly increase sleep efficiency and decrease awakenings after falling asleep, and B vitamins, which promote a deep and restful sleep. How about kiwis? These delicious vitamin bombs are rich in sleep-promoting phytochemicals, along with antioxidants. Studies show that poor sleep is linked with lower levels of antioxidants. Nutritional yeast, eating just Two tablespoons of nutritional yeast contains more than the full daily value for vitamin B12 and 480% of the daily value of vitamin B6. Studies have found that significant correlations between B12 and the duration of sleep, while B6 helps boost serotonin levels, which, when depleted, keep you awake. Finally, organic corn. Organic. Organic corn is rich in carbs, and carbs stimulate insulin, which indirectly makes tryptophan more available. In short, eating some organic corn can set you up for some good sleep. These aren't things we generally think of about sleeping, eating before bed, but again, I think it's worth a try. If you really need sleep and you have trouble, try some of these things. I think it will help you. And on, a, on the same vein about sleep, a new study has found that it's a good idea to use your snooze button. Well, why? I always feel guilty when I use my snooze button. Now I don't anymore because I found this article to share with you. <laughs> the new study shows that delaying getting up can boast people's cognitive performance and have little overall effect on their mood and sleepiness. Researchers have long wondered whether snoozing affects wakefulness or sleep quality, but they have now noticed that the results are surprisingly positive for the snooze button. Participants who slept in a little bit exhibited improved memory functioning and solved simple addition questions faster in cognitive tests than participants who did not use the snooze button. Their performance was heightened immediately after waking up and tapered off when measured again 40 minutes later. That's people who wake up right away. Um, the study author said those who regularly delay getting up should feel free to continue doing so because it helps you. So there you have it. Wow. No guilt. Another yeah. 10 minutes does you some good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And finally, there's a 478 technique for better sleep and reduced anxiety. Now, listen, we are living in anxious times. People come to me, all my clients you know, having trouble Uh, We can have be as spiritual as we want to, but you know, it's out there in the ethers. Stress, anxiety, things are changing, things are different. We're in great upheavals. We're we're in a time of a shift. We're feeling it. So I want all of you to think about this. It's good if you need it. If you don't need it, great. But maybe you could learn about it and help some of your friends. But this is a four seven eight breathing technique, also known as relaxing breath. It involves breathing in for four seconds holding the breath for seven seconds, and exhaling for eight seconds. This breathing pattern is claimed to promote reduced anxiety and also help you get to sleep. And proponents claim that the method helps people get to sleep in one minute. Now, they tell us that there's limited scientific research. I don't know why. There's research on everything else, maybe because this doesn't involve drugs. So there's not much research to support this, but there's lots of anecdotal evidence to suggest that this type of deep, rhythmic breathing is very relaxing and can help you get to sleep. Dr. Andrew Weil champions this 478 breathing technique. He's the founder and director of the University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine. So, how to do it. Before starting your breathing pattern, lie down in bed or adopt a comfortable sitting position and place the tip of the tongue on the tissue right behind the top front teeth. Uh, and then you empty your lungs of air. Breathe in quietly through the nose for four seconds. Hold the breath for a count of seven seconds. Exhale forcefully through the mouth, pursing the lips and making a whoosh sound for eight seconds. Repeat this cycle up to four times. Dr. Wheel recommends using the technique twice a day to start seeing the benefits sooner. He also suggests that people avoid doing more than four breath cycles in a row until they have more practice with the technique. Certainly you want to build up to that. But it will help you sleep. It will also help you reduce anxiety during the day, which is a very good thing. If you forget what I've just said, look up 478 Breathing Technique, and you'll find everything about it. And in closing, I've got more stories, but we're out of time. Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. An oldie but a goodie from Thomas Edison. And ain't it the truth? We get inspired oh, and then we have to work to bring it into being. So, from my heart to each one of you, much love. I hope you all have a beautiful few days, many days ahead, until we see each other again and even after that. I love all of you. Love you, Arielle. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you so much, Anastasia. And just a reminder that because we will be in Arkansas, the next show is November
0: 28th. Okay. Right. I've got that. And I always miss it when you're gone. I'm always happy, though, when you come back. I'm always glad to get back on air. All righty. See you then. Okay. All right. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Good night. Bye-bye. Wow. Great news tonight. So uh, I want to talk about Transits when I first met lavendar the very one of the very first things that she did was order me uh, my transits and um, and she also got me this this book, a reference book that explains in great detail what kind of energies this brings and um, i I really was uh, astonished at how relevant it is just even to you know everyday 3d life and i i, I began to um, get familiar with certain planetary energies um, for me mars was the easiest energy to recognize don't know because if it's if it's because i'm in aries or but or if it's just that mars is a very um a fiery kind of planet but when i fir- when i first started tracking my transits uh i would go to um i would go through the day and then i would come back and read the transits like retroactively because i didn't want to um um superimpose my expectations on how the day would go. And it it began, it began to be so clear that, um, you know, when I was having a Mars transit, it was undeniable, unmistakable, even to where the, the point where I got, uh, if I went out and it seemed like everything I tried to do and everyone I tried to talk to, it was just abrasive. And I came home, I was like, boy, that sure felt like a Mars transit. And I go look up on my transits, and sure enough, that's what it was. So kind of uh, got into it way, way back when I met Lavendar. And it has become even more important as, as Starseeds are working on new projects. They are trying to, uh, you know, do their work, write their books. Uh, whatever, you know, healing, whatever kind of uh, starseed mission you might have, if you don't know what is affecting you, often on a subconscious level, you're really um, walking a dangerous path because you might um, miss something that was really beneficial or assign the wrong um, reason for why something happened. So, and tonight I am going to kind of walk you through some examples of of transits. But if you think of your chart, um, with all the planets kind of scattered around your chart, if you think of it kind of like a, like balls on a pool table, like billiard balls. When a planetary transit has a clear shot, you know, like into the corner pocket, those are windows that open. And you can use that energy for your own benefit. But if you don't know, you don't you don't you don't know your chart you don't know astrology you can still do this so i want to talk about jupiter and uranus tonight because right now they are traveling kind of neck and neck um through the zodiac and when jupiter and uranus get together miracles can happen wildly, um, advantageous opportunities. Um, you think of Jupiter, the biggest planet, it is about growth and expansion and opportunities, abundance, good luck. Jupiter is known as a benefic planet because every it's, it's all good. Um, Maybe the only drawback with Jupiter is sometimes um, Jupiter doesn't know when it's had enough, and you want more and more. But that's not really <laughs> it's not really a problem. And wherever Jupiter is transiting in your chart, this is where the opportunities, the abundance, where the good luck comes in, and. It takes Jupiter about 12 years to go all the way around the wheel. Sometimes longer if it if it's retrograde for some of that time, it, you know, could be longer than 12 years. But the opportunity, if you miss it, you're going to have to wait at least 12 years to get another chance. So, especially with Jupiter, it's really important to know how that is affecting you and your chart. And um, the other planet I want to talk about is Uranus. And Uranus is a, an electrical kind of planet. It is, of, on the whole solar system, the only planet that does not rotate on a north-south axis is Uranus. It rotates east and west axis. So Uranus is kind of like the oddball in the in the zodiac in the solar system, and because it is rotating on an east-west axis, the energy field of the planet is erratic, is spasmodic, and uh, very electrical. So the main thing with Uranus is that it cannot be contained. It can be uh, you can take advantage of it, but Uranus is a great liberator. It's about creative expression. And um, when you are maybe being stifled and, you're not, and you don't have the freedom that you really need to have, you have two choices. You either change that situation or you do nothing. And if you do nothing, when Uranus gets a chance it will liberate you but if you wait for uranus to do it you don't get a say in how it happens and it just it can be very upsetting um another thing about uranus is that it is very much about sisterhood brotherhood humanitarianism it it is the um the view for the future and also because Uranus was given dominion over the heavens, it is the planet involved when you get downloads. When the light bulb goes off over your head and you suddenly understand something, you go look and see where Uranus is and what it is aspecting in your chart and you'll be amazed at how relevant that is. So Right now, we have Jupiter and Uranus. They're both in Taurus. And um, when they travel together, the closer they get, uh, they were closer and then Jupiter went retrograde and then they're a little bit farther apart now, but they're both in the same sign. And um, in the next uh, like five or six months, they're going to get closer and closer and closer. And it's so important that you know what area of your life is going to receive this you know, wildly good luck and freedom thing. And that's a thing that Jupiter and Uranus have in common. Jupiter has got to be free. You know, don't fence me in. Don't tell me what to do. And Uranus also must be free. Um... So the two of these together is really a big freedom um, combination. So if you, have, um, if you have freedom of expression, if you have um, an outlet for your creative abilities, Uranus is happy because you are unrestricted. But if there is a situation, um, a person, a relationship, um um an occupation that is curtailing your freedom when these two planets get together um they will fix the situation for you but like i said um you might not get a uh, a say in how that occurs so um uh, if you are if you're tolerating something and you're tolerating something, and you're tolerating something, and, and you're just feeling like you're in a straitjacket, Uranus will come and just blow it all up. You know, Whatever the situation is, if it's a person, you might just say, okay, I have got to get away from this person or this job or this situation because I can't take it anymore. Um, and if you don't do the move, then... Uranus will just come and, and the lightning bolt strikes and everything is different overnight. So I'm going to go around the 12 houses and explain the effects of this very powerful combination. Um, and, you know, this, this was not going to happen for another 12 years. Or more. Um, if you know what your rising sign is, that's really good. And if you don't know, uh, you can find out. And if certainly, if you um, if you want our assistance, um, we can help you with this new transit service to find out. You know where this magic is happening in your life. So if you have, let's say, Aries rising, I'm just going to take them in order around the wheel. If you have Aries rising at, um, let's just say, a mid-degree, that means you could have Aries rising at one degree, or you could have Aries rising at 29 degrees. That's, you know, the whole uh, distance of Aries. So you may have Uranus and Taurus in your first house. When, I mean, Uranus and Jupiter. Now, when Uranus got into your first house, crossed your ascendant, that's when suddenly the world looks different and the world sees you as a different person. Um, if, If your friends tell you, it's like, I don't know who you are anymore. That's because the changes are so radical. And then when Jupiter crosses your Ascendant, you have a perception, people have a perception of you of having really big energy. And when these two are together, it's, it's imagine the, 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 the good luck token that's just sitting there and then Uranus comes along with its lightning and energizes it. And it just, it's a very powerful combination. So other things to be um, aware of, especially with Jupiter in the first house, because Jupiter is growth and expansion. And because the first house is how you see the world, and it's how the world sees you. This could be literal, the the world will see you as a bigger person, which means, you know, especially, you know, for women who would care about this, um, and I suppose men would care about it too, but maybe women a little bit more, um, you can physically gain weight and doing, you know, nothing different than you've been doing, but your body is much more um, uh, susceptible to carbs and sugars and fats and things like that. So you would have to you would want to eat really clean. And even then, you'll still probably um, notice some physical expansion. Um, the good news <clears throat> is that it will be out of your first house. And then it goes into the second house. Now, the second house um, in Starseed Astrology is... We look more about the values and the belief systems. So this can be, you know, an expansion, a growth of uh, your your values and belief systems where they are elevated to um, things that are maybe more uh, carry more truth. And then um, with Uranus coming into that second house, you could radically change what you care about. When 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 Uranus gets in your second house, things that you used to care about were the most important things, now you you don't care at all. And things that you never really cared much about are the most important things to you. So it's kind of a a reversal of of values and belief systems to a higher level. But the second house is also about your resources, your money, your abundance. And when you've got Jupiter in that house, whether you have it by birth or by transit, money comes easily. And when Uranus is also in that house, then you've got the lightning, the electricity of Uranus, and it just keeps poking at that Jupiter to give it up. And you can have money coming from unexpected directions just abundance and prosperity so you don't want to waste that because it'll be 12 years before you get another shot then after um, after Uranus and Jupiter um, when they get into the third house which would be when they get into Gemini um, this house is all about information communication, education, um, speaking and writing it. And when Jupiter's in that house is a great time if you've ever thought about writing a book or or you've got a book ready to go um, that would be a good time to launch because your communication is stronger Your um, your ability to um conceptualize higher um ideals higher um things that are of higher truth and you could you could just the words could flow just like a like a like a waterfall just flow and then again when uranus is in that house the inspiration comes from the beyond and you may have um ideas that that just come to you out of nowhere now the next house would be the fourth house and in that house this is about your home your family your base of operations in starseed astrology it's about your starseed family um, not necessarily your biological family but when When Jupiter is in that house, it is a really good time to um uh, reach out to your starseed family and um, maybe even um, collaborate you may You may find yourself um with a better house or uh, taking care of the house that you've got and maybe updating. At the same time, when Uranus is in that house, you'll probably move, because if there's anything about your house that's a burden or holding you back, Uranus comes and releases you, and the opportunity can come for a better location. So the next house will be the fifth house, and this is a this is one of the uh, another really strong house for Jupiter and, and Uranian energy the fifth house is about creativity um, things that you would create and put your name on whether it's a work of art or a child and the work of art could be writing painting sculpting um, music drama uh, photography you know, creative writing, anything that is born of your creativity, that's the domain of the fifth house. And another um, aspect of that fifth house is about investments, speculation, gambling. When Jupiter's in that house, um, most people want to buy a lottery ticket because, you know, somebody has to win. And then if Jupiter and Uranus are in that house, I would definitely buy a lottery ticket. Um, But speculation, investments, that would go really, really well. As well as your creativity, because that's what the fifth house is about. And Uranus is um, that, that freedom With your creativity not being stifled not being um, you know uh, discounted by others you have the ability when when Uranus is in that house to create amazing things and the inspiration may well come from um, other dimensions now we go to the sixth house and the sixth house is about health, service, your daily activities, and when Jupiter is in that house, it's quite unlikely that you would get sick, because it it makes you know your immune system is more robust, and um, your service to others can take uh, a, a huge expansion and and uh, you know reach more people. Though the 6th house is about your body, this is another place where Jupiter can make you gain weight. So 1st house and 6th house, just always be aware that you have to be especially careful with your diet. So that, you know, unless you want to gain weight, then that would be a great time for that. And when Uranus is in the 6th house, um, it can have different um, responses where if you are working in a, a kind of a healing service, if you are working with, with others like remotely, that Uranian energy can bring you the, the information that, that your client would need. But it can also be unexpected things concerning your health and if you have been maybe ignoring something that you ought to have looked at um, and Uranus is in that house you want to make sure that you take care of yourself and your body and you may um, if you have um, a, an occupation where you are you know you have uh, a manager, a superior uh person, not a superior person, but someone who is um your boss and If that person won't let you do uh, your work, they have to kind of keep looking over your shoulder and that in that way, your creativity and and your uh, your freedom to expand and and grow in that in that particular occupation if that's being curtailed in any way then um that job might go away because it was stifling you you know putting up with a lot of the things that people in the corporate world put up with uh uranus won't won't tolerate that if you are Feeling restricted or confined or restrained if you're being held back Uh, and the thing about Uranian energy no one can control it don't even try because you know if there's something that is that's holding you back something that's not good for you and you won't give it up you know like that my kind of metaphor for that is you've got a bottle of poison in your hand, and you just can't turn it loose, and it's not good for you. And it could be a, it could be any kind of situation, but I'm just using the metaphor of a bottle of poison because it's it's sickening your spirit. If you can't let it go, then Uranus will um, be kind of like a like a volcano or an earthquake, and boom. You're released from that situation. But again, you don't get to pick your timing with that because um, you waited for Uranus to do it for you. Now we go into the seventh house. And this is a house of relationships, one-on-one. It can be your significant other. It can be your family. It can be your friends. It can be clients. It can be students. It can be teachers, you know, doctors, lawyers. Any relationship that's one-on-one is governed by this house. So if you have Jupiter in that house, beneficial people can come into your life, people that will help you and support you and um, maybe open your mind or Expose you to new and higher information that, you know, like like a teacher might do, and you may also um, because Jupiter also rules foreign countries and and, and long distance travel. You may have uh, people of of other nationalities that that pass through your life. Now, when Uranus is in that house. You've, this is this is a, a huge again a very strong freedom thing because a lot of people especially you know in 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 my work a lot of people are in situations with a family that are very um restricting and not not nurturing that person if you have Uranus in the seventh house, those relationships can just end without any kind of uh, advanced notice. Something big happens and boom, that person is gone. If you're in a marriage that's kind of on a rocky slope, uh, but you're hanging on for whatever reason, uh, you know, a, a troubled relationship will probably not survive. The Uranian transit through the seventh house and and Uranus is about seven years in each house, so um, you have you have time to do it um, if you do it on your own choosing and and do what you you know in your soul you need to do, or you can wait and let Uranus just lightning strike and maybe you know kind of catch you off guard or blindside you. But one way or the other, you'll be free. So I probably want to make a point here that every transit ultimately is beneficial. It may not be fun, you know, like medicine that tastes really bad, but it will help you eventually, whether it's, you know, pleasant to go through or unpleasant to go through. So ultimately, every transit, can bring benefit. It's how you um, work with it, how you understand it, that makes the difference between um, <laughs> sooner benefit or later. Now we go to the eighth house. And this is a house of transformation, of change, of, of transmutation. It is regeneration, rebirth, um, resurrection. It's also a house that is um, concerned with life, birth, death, sex. All of those things are part of the eighth house. So when Jupiter, and the eighth house is also very mystical, um, very um, uh, kind of, like the like the spiritual archaeologist that you dig deeper and deeper and deeper for the truth, and when Jupiter is in that house, this is going to be accentuated, because Jupiter wants the truth. Um, Jupiter is the truth. Another part of the eighth house is that it is about other people's money, whether it's um, investors, uh, bankers, relatives. Um, Other people's resources and when Jupiter's in that house if you're looking for investors or people to back your project when Jupiter's in the eighth house it'll go really well for you and people would be receptive even even a bank you know if you needed to be approved for a loan when Jupiter's in that eighth house uh, the best possible transit for success with that now when Uranus is in that house, it can shake things up because of that lightning kind of unpredictable, you never know. I mean, it, it it comes out of the blue and then it's gone. It can be sudden revelations. It can be a, a type of rebirth. Um, it can also um, help you um, in bringing that inspiration from the beyond. In the areas you know concerning more you know, like mystical kind of things, but because that eighth house is about change, uh, Uranus can, can accentuate that because it is about liberation. So now we go into the ninth house, and this I kind of think of as a as a starseed house because it's about ultimate truth, freedom. Justice the higher mind higher spirituality those things that um, are associated with Jupiter because Jupiter rules that house so when Jupiter is in its own house you may um, you may take a, a a course you may take further higher education you may become interested in astrology in the more you know occult kind of Um, sciences that more esoteric sciences Um, and I think of this house as the infinite upward evolution, infinite upward spiral because when it comes to Jupiter and the 10th house there is no finish line no matter how much you evolve no matter how much you understand You're always going to want to know, okay, well, what's next? What's higher than this? So, and it will never end. It's the perpetual seeking of higher levels. That's the concept for the 10th, I'm sorry, the ninth house. So when Jupiter is in that house, you may have epiphanies. You can, um, learn possibly like if you wanted to say study astrology, um, this would be an excellent time for that because it would come more easily to you. And when Uranus is in that house, because, again, this is the house of um, un, you know unlimited um, expansion and higher education, when Uranus is in that house, and remember, because Uranus is a download planet, and in that 10th house, you may have... Epiphanies, revelations, um, the light bulb goes off over your head and you have very profound thoughts because it's coming from those upper dimensions where Uranus reigns. So this is uh, another thing to watch for if you've got Uranus coming into uh, your ninth house. So now we go into the tenth house. And, um, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I've got trick-or-treaters at my front door. I didn't think they were coming. Um, I'm just going to continue here. So now we go into the 10th house. And the 10th house is about your career, your work in the outside world. Um, It is the contribution that you make to the world at large. It's your public image. Your, your public persona, and it's also a house where star starseeds collaborate and they work on joint missions. So um, when Jupiter goes into the 10th house, your career will flourish. Your work will be uh, bigger than ever, uh, more important. It will carry elements of truth, and um, things just go your way. Wherever Jupiter is... It's it's going to be a, a abundance and good luck. Now, when Uranus gets into that house, if you're working at a job that um, is is just a paycheck, has no meaning for you, you're not you're not thriving. Your um your, you know your star seed potential is kind of under a bucket. When Uranus comes to that house. If you don't resign and go find a job that allows you that creativity, the job just blows up. Something will happen, and you will change. Now, you might do the same work for a different company, or you could change occupations altogether. It's the nature of of Uranus. It It will take away what you don't need to make room for the stuff that you do need. Now we go to the 11th house, and this is a house um, in traditional astrology. It's about the hopes and wishes and dreams uh, of humanity having a vision for the future and um, being able to relate to the masses and see that that progressive um, thinking concerning the future. So this is also a house of soul contracts people can come into your life because it has been preordained by you and them in another lifetime. And and again with Jupiter in that house, it really kind of holds the door for the successful completion of that contract and also the that that bigger view of the future. And Uranus is the ruler of the 11th house, so it's really happy to be in its own house and people can come um, from all different walks of life because with Uranus it's about friendships it's about brotherhood and sisterhood so that if you um, if you have people that come into your life there's a reason for that and you may have friends from all walks of life, um, as I remember reading in, in one of my books, um, Uranus and Aquarius, which it rules, are friends to all, whether they be paupers or kings. Um, and because Uranus, because it spins sideways in, in relation to the other planets, uh, people that have a heavy Uranian influence or an Aquarian influence, they're going to walk to the beat of a different drum. So, um, and that's okay. I mean, you can't lead from the middle of the circle, from the middle of the crowd. You've got to be on the edge. You've got to be outside the uh, outside the box to to really help to transform your ideas into a reality that will help shape the future. And now we go to the 12th house. And this is a house of spiritual service to groups of people, to the less fortunate. It is also a house of ancient wisdom, ancient mysteries, your soul records, and things that are hidden. And when Jupiter is in that house, the expansion will be in those areas of spiritual expansion. It could be an expansion of your intuition. Um which also by the way would apply to the 8th house um expansion of your own intuition and psychic abilities and you would have with when it's in the 12th house you would really have more um opportunity to be of spiritual service to others and to groups of people now when uranus is in the 11th house, I mean in the 12th house this is also a house of the visionary and the dreamer. Um, and Uranus helps to bring the, the, those downloads of, of information and, um, in, that, in that 12th house because it is the world of, um, of the dream world, of things that are hidden, of the subconscious. When Uranus goes through that house, you may have really wild dreams. But there's a clearing going on as Uranus prepares to cross your Ascendant when it's a whole new you. So as Uranus comes through the 12th house, you might have really um, different kinds of dreams. But you will also have that feeling of of, um, humanitarian brotherhood, sisterhood, wanting to reach out a helping hand because that 12th house carries a lot of compassion as well. So um, I'm going to pause here and and let you know that if you have a question um, and you want to ask, you're welcome to do that. If you pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. If you're already on the switchboard, then just press 1 and um uh, and I will do my best to answer your question. So, because it is so vitally important for star seeds to really understand and take advantage of your planetary um influences. And we're all influenced by the planets. Nobody is bigger and big enough to override the energy of an entire planet. So it is so important that you understand what those influences are. You know, I think of it also as like a weather report and if you had no idea that there was going to be a, you know, a hurricane coming to your area, because you you didn't check your transits, you didn't know of that approaching thing, you might make really poor decisions and get caught in that and then you'd have to deal with, you know, <laughs> getting out of it. So, understanding the astrological weather is one of the most powerful things you can do for success in everything that you do. I mean, even when it comes to the inner planets, and those transits are pretty quick, Um, if you had to have, as I said in the beginning, an important conversation, or um, you wanted to launch some project, then you would want to know where all the planets are and how they are interacting with your chart. So let's say that if Mars transiting Mars, which means where it is today in in the heavens for everybody, if transiting Mars is maybe squaring your personal Mars, your your natal Mars, things people are just going everybody's going to irritate you and you might irritate everybody else. So that would not be a good two or three days to go in and, you know, and pitch your new idea to you know, your higher-ups because you'll probably fall flat. But if you did it, let's say, when when, um, Venus would be um, interacting with your Mercury, your mind, your conversation, that would be very beneficial. But if you don't know when that's happening, you're kind of like a cork in the river and you just get carried along with the currents, with no control whatsoever, no discernment. But if you know where those planets are, you can stack the deck in your favor. And and there's I mean there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's exercising your knowledge and your wisdom and making the wisest choices. So this is why we're now offering this daily transit service. And with this service, you will get, um, I I put together, um, I'm calling it a legend, uh, where you can look at the symbols, because most people, and know what they mean, um, because most people, when they look at astrology symbols, it's just, they turn into the deer in the headlights, because it's totally baffling. So all you have to do is look at this piece of paper, it's like, oh, okay, that's the symbol for Mars, or whatever planet. And then there's also um, definitions of the terms that you'll see, and you will get a calendar. It's printed out just like a regular calendar, and each day it will tell you what your transits are. And there will also be a very brief report interpreting those transits on a day-by-day basis. But we also strongly recommend that you get the industry standard transit book. It's called Planets in Transit, and it is written by Robert Hand, H-A-N-D. And I've had people tell me uh, when they started doing this, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like someone's looking in the window and they know exactly what I'm going through. It's that relevant. So when you know what the planet is, And and it's all decoded in this document I'm calling the legend because it tells you all the symbols, what they mean, um, so that when you look at the calendar, you're going to think, okay, that's Venus, Trine, Mars. And then you can look it up in the reference book. And in this way, even if you don't know the first thing about astrology, you can still get the benefit. So we have been, uh, we've been trying to teach people to do this on their own. And a lot of people just, they're overwhelmed by the, the, the cryptic appearance of, of an astrological chart. So we have tried to um, make it really, really easy for you and there's also a basic astrology course it's a digital download if you want to you know add that to it that would give you a broader understanding but you don't have to know anything about astrology to benefit from this you just have to have the transits calculated for you the book that you look them up and you read about you know the advice you know good time for this not a good time for that Um, so, this is just now uh something new that's on our site because it is so important for people, especially star seeds, to understand um, the influences so um it doesn't look like we have anybody with any questions, so I think that will wrap it up for tonight and um when if you if you decide you want to uh, work with your transits, um, the instructions are there uh, on the website, um, and you would need to email me your birth information. I will run your chart for you and include it um, with this uh, transit service. So um, I want to once again thank you, Kathy, for for being with us tonight, and we will be back in four weeks because we've got the quest coming up and um, so I will take so November 28th will be the next show and I'd like to take this opportunity to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving remember to be grateful not only at Thanksgiving time but every day if you can hold gratitude in your heart and show compassion instead of judgment, you'll be moving closer and closer to living in 5D. Until next time, four weeks from tonight, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.